Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Certainly enjoy the, the good, lively worship this morning. So we're going to be finishing up Who's Your One today. It doesn't mean that we're going to stop praying for that one or inviting that one or sharing with that one, but as far as sermons go, we've got to wrap it up and move on to something different. How many people love Christmas? Now, some people are thinking, man, he's, he's down with the fever talking about Christmas in August. I promise there's a reason. I love Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas, everything about Christmas, that time of the year. I really geeked out last year when we had that beautiful white Christmas here in Barberville. It was wonderful. Do you realize today we are 17 weeks away from Christmas Day? 17 more Sundays and Christmas will be here. One of the best things about Christmas is getting to sit down with the family and forcing the kids to watch that old movie, It's a Wonderful Life. How many knows what I'm talking about? It's like a staple in the Shields family to sit down and watch that movie every single year. Now, if you're not familiar with this movie, I'll pray for you. Um, But in this film, this old movie, Jimmy Stewart uh, plays this character named George Bailey. And George Bailey thinks that his life is is worthless and he comes to the point of suicide and he basically gets the chance in this film to go back and see that his seemingly normal, ordinary life affected countless lives, even saved countless lives. And not only was it worth living, the angel tells him, George, you truly had a wonderful life. That's what we're talking about this morning and we're going to finish up our series considering the life of one of the disciples this morning. And when we talk about the disciples, we tend to focus on James and John, the sons of thunder. We focus on Simon Peter, who preached and won thousands over to Christ in a single day. But we're looking at one today that seems somewhat insignificant. But the Bible teaches that this one man touched one life who literally touched thousands more. Now, we know the ones who touched thousands, don't we? Think of the Billy Grahams. Think of the Charles Spurgeons, the George Whitfields. Think of the Simon Peters. But what if that one person had never led any of them to Jesus? A little story this morning I've shared about the impact that a simple country preacher by the name of Dimble Taylor had on my life as a young boy, probably many others, and how his faithful preaching of God's Word week in and week out and week in and week out caused a stirring in my heart as a young man that pointed me to my need for Jesus. Now, I often give Dimble credit because Dimble was the one preaching, but looking back, it wasn't actually Dimble that took the time to pray with me and lead me to Jesus. It was another man, maybe some of you all know, maybe not, by the name of Quentin West. Now, Quentin, I remember, even though I was young, seemed to be a, just a faithful, good Man, always at church, always serving, always working, often behind the scenes, never overbearing, never divisive. And when Denville 
pointed to him on the front row this morning to pray with me, there was no hesitation. Quentin came right up, knelt with seven-year-old Tyler Shields and led him to Christ. So I wanted to do him right this morning. I reached out to his grandchildren this week just to see what they had to say about him. And one of his grandchildren said this about Quentin. Said, my grandpa was always taken to church. He grew up in a family who always went to church and, and played a big part in it. He was saved during Bible school. Now, now get this, church. This is crazy. He would always talk about Colonel Pope, who is Peggy Pope, Pope Hicks' great-grandfather and the, great, and the grandfather of our own Russ Pope. He was the junior boy's Sunday school teacher. And I remember him telling this when he would give his testimony. Colonel Pope had the boys to make a pledge to never take a drink of alcohol, and he never did he was a firm believer in Sunday school and VBS. He was always concerned about the children. He was a deacon and he served as Sunday school superintendent. I remember him always ringing the bell in the hallway for us to go to the auditorium for morning preaching. And sometimes he would let me ring it and I felt like big stuff. He was always faithful and believed that you were at church every time the door was open. They hardly ever missed a Sunday morning, Sunday night or Wednesday night service. The grandpa, it was God first, family next, and then his school, which was G.R. Hampton, where he was principal. Him and Nanny would spend many of their Sunday afternoons out visiting. I named my son Quentin after him because he was special for sure. You see, this is the kind of life that we're talking about this morning. Quentin reached this one. And as of today, this one has had the opportunity to reach Quite a few in different places around the world. So let's look this morning at just three verses in John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. And we're going to focus on Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. The Bible says Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought, notice the language, he brought Simon to Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, he said, You're Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Short, simple story, but I want to focus on this wonderful life of Andrew this morning. Andrew is one of the least known disciples, one of the least known of the four disciples that make up Jesus' inner circle. His name means manly, and he's been called by different theologians and scholars, Andrew the inviter, Andrew the evangelizer. He's often seen working faithfully in the background, rarely needing a stage or a platform, and he's very likely the first disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a follower of John the baptizer who told him that Jesus was the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And when he met Jesus, the very first thing that he did was to go and get his brother Simon and bring him to Jesus. A seemingly insignificant life of a seemingly insignificant disciple. But can you imagine, just for a moment, imagine... The impact not just to the church, but to history had Andrew's life been cut short or had he never led his brother to Jesus. Now, listen, don't pull out your heavy theology on me. Let's just play for a minute. Listen, maybe, maybe Peter would never have gotten saved. 
Maybe someone else would have had to preach the Pentecostal sermon. Or maybe that sermon would never have gotten preached at all and those thousands of people may not have heard the gospel and gotten saved. Maybe the Bible would be cut short by two books because Simon Peter wasn't there to write them. Heaven only knows. But here's what we do know. Andrew's life was not insignificant. He truly had a wonderful life. So let's talk about what makes life wonderful in the kingdom of God. The first thing we learn from Andrew is it's a wonderful life when you see the value of individual people. He certainly saw the value of individual people. When we see Andrew in Scripture, Andrew's bringing individuals, not crowds, to Jesus. He appreciated the value of a single soul. Here we see him bringing his brother to Jesus, just one person. Later, we see him bringing a boy to Jesus with some bread and some fish. Again, just one person. Always faithful, always working in the background, doing the what we would call insignificant work, but what was actually significant work. You understand that most people will not come into a relationship with Christ because of a sermon that they hear preached. Now, some will, but most people will not. Most people will come to Christ based on the influence of another individual in their life. Matter of fact, 96% of people who will attend church... Now, listen to what I'm saying. Look around at these empty seats. 90 statistics tell us this 96% of people who in the future will sit in those seats will do so because someone invited them to be there. All of the fruit of Simon Peter's ministry is ultimately the fruit of Andrew's faithful service. Just like all the fruit of Tyler Shields' ministry is ultimately the fruit of Denville Taylor's preaching and Quentin West's faithful service over the years. Folks, that's all it takes. And I hope to drive this point home. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to have all the fine answers. You don't have to have all the right lines perfectly memorized and and polished. Great if you do. God bless you for it. But listen, let's trust God to do the work that God wants to do through our simple, ordinary lives day to day. D.L. Moody, most people know that name, right? D.L. Moody was a fabulous preacher. Tens of thousands of people came to Christ under D.L. Moody's ministry. He founded the Moody Bible Institute, training up thousands more for the ministry. But what about Edward Kimball? Who knows that name? Edward Kimball was a simple Sunday school teacher that one day went into a Boston shoe store looking for an 18-year-old D.L. Moody. And he was so nervous. Listen to this. This Sunday school teacher was so nervous, so scared, trying to figure out, you know, talking in his head what he's going to say to D.L. Moody to try and win him to Christ and share the gospel with him. So nervous that he walked past the door to the shoe store the first time, had to turn around and go back. But anyway, he finally finds Moody back in the warehouse and he shared with him and he actually led D.L. Moody to Christ. Now later, Kimball was asked, what did you say to D.L. Moody to win him to Jesus? You know what he said? He said, Lord, I don't know. He said, I was so nervous. I I think I talked to him about the love of God and the cross, but I didn't go to win him to Christ. I just went to make the gospel known. But while I was there, D.L. Moody said, I'd like to give my life to Jesus right now. You see, that's that's how God works 
in these things. And God used this, this simple, stammering, scared Sunday school teacher's faithfulness and obedience to win one of the greatest ministers in history to Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, another famous preacher. Most of us are familiar with him. I quote him a lot, read him a lot. But few know how Charles Spurgeon came to be saved. You know, how, you know what great preacher led Charles Spurgeon to Christ? One night, Charles Spurgeon decided to go to a church service. It was a snowy night. And the preacher actually couldn't make it to church because the weather was so bad. I guess he didn't live across the parking lot. And, and listen to this. They had church anyway, and a lay person from the church got up, and he opened his Bible, and he, here's what the man said. He said, Look unto Jesus, and behold, you will be saved, all you peoples. Isaiah 45, 22. And then he simply, and I'm not going to do this to you this morning, but he pointed at Charles Spurgeon, and he said, You young man, would you be saved? And guess what? Charles Spurgeon was radically and surely saved that night. That layman. Now, did he, did he delineate the, the gospel so Spurgeon could, in, on his brilliant mind, understand and grasp the substitutionary, atoning sacrifice of Christ? Did he talk about justification by faith in fine detail? No. The power of God through the Holy Spirit took that simple gospel witness and he drove it deep into Spurgeon's heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And it radically changed him and saved him that night. What's the point? The point is, it's people like that layman. It's people like Edward Kimball. It's people like Quentin West. It's people like... I was thinking about my, great, my grandfather, Doug Shields. I never heard the man preach a sermon or sing a song, but he, over the course of his life, did so many things to help people. Listen, he's been dead almost 25 years, and to this day I run into people. That they find out who I am, and they say, your grandfather had a tremendous impact on my life. It's people like that that make the kingdom of God so great. Now, the second thing we learned from Andrew, it's a wonderful life in the kingdom of God, when we see the value of insignificant gifts. Now over in John chapter 6, I'm not going to read the story for you. It's, it's pretty familiar. You're welcome to turn there if you want and flip through it. I'll give you my version. In John chapter 6, the crowds are following Jesus. It's getting late and everyone's getting hungry. And Jesus turns to Philip and he asks Philip, Hey buddy, where are we going to get enough bread to feed these people? That's my translation. Philip says... I don't think there's enough bread and marble that can buy, that can feed this bunch. And who comes up with a solution? Andrew. None other than Andrew. And Andrew says, Lord, here's one boy that I found in the crowd. He's got five loaves and two fish. And listen, if you dig into what those fish were in the language, it wasn't, they weren't whoppers. There were a couple of sardines. He says, Lord, here's what we've got. And Jesus takes this humble gift just like we sang about in that song. And he does a miracle with it. You see, let me give you a life lesson right quick. You will find a lot of joy and peace and contentment in life when you begin to appreciate the small and seemingly insignificant because God uses the insignificant gifts of insignificant people to do very significant things in this world. Going back to Moody, looking back at his life and ministry now, most would say he certainly had a gift to do what he did. Did you know that people in Moody's day, do you know what they called him? Crazy Moody. 
As a matter of fact, one woman came up to him after a service. She said, as much, she said, Moody, as much as you slaughter the king's English, you ought to never go into the pulpit again. I can relate to that. But it discouraged him. He didn't know what to do. Didn't know what to say. And he felt like God told him to say this. He said, ma'am, just pray for me. I really want to do better. And I'm working to try to get better at the English language. And what I'm trying to do is give the gospel all I can with all I know. So that all who can hear, excuse me, maybe they'll come. And then here's the best part. Then he turned to her. He said, ma'am, what are you doing with what God has given you? (laughs) I don't know what her response was from there. But that's the question for us is what are you going to do with what you have? Because when you when you dig into the principles of God's word and what's really going on in life, you find that there is no insignificant gift when God is involved. That's the point from Jesus feeding the 5,000. And Andrew seemed to understand that so little in the hands of Jesus could do so much more than anyone ever dreamed possible. Than anyone could ever imagine. And it's a testimony not to the gift, not to the loaves and the fish or your talents or your words. It's a testimony to the power of God. Now think about yourself. You think you can't witness to your lost friends. You think you can't witness to your family. You think you can't share with your neighbor. You think that your $10 doesn't matter to help some Christian somewhere. Think again. God has a much bigger plan than your simple gift. Last thing we see, it's a wonderful life when we see the value of inconspicuous service. I like this. Andrew, to me, is a picture of all those precious souls who labor and work for no recognition, for no credit, for no money, just working behind the scenes to set in action all the big things. You see, there's a thousand little things that make one big thing happen. You realize that, right? And all these little things that have to be done lead to the big things that somebody else gets credit for. Now, that one that you might invite, that one that you might lead to Jesus... You may think it's, well, it's just one. But listen, that one may be the one that leads thousands more to Jesus. Remember the name Edward Kimball, right? The Sunday school teacher that led Moody to Christ. Now hang on to that, that name for a minute. Have you ever wondered who led Billy Graham to Jesus? I've studied Billy Graham. I've read Billy Graham. I think undoubtedly he's one of the greatest evangelistic preachers Not in modern history, probably all of history. He was saved under the preaching of a man, another unknown man, named Mordecai Ham. Now, Mordecai Ham was saved under the preaching of the late great Billy Sunday. So that's three generations. Billy Sunday was saved under the preaching of J. Wilbur Chapman. Chapman came to faith in Christ at a D.L. Moody evangelistic meeting, and D.L. Moody was led to Christ by Edward Kimball. It may be inconspicuous service sometimes. It may be dirty. You may not get credit for it. You may not even see the fruit from it. But what you're doing is not 
insignificant. Andrew was a leader with a servant's heart. And to the best of our knowledge, he never preached to multitudes. We don't know that he actually founded any churches. But the impact that Andrew had on the kingdom shows us that he really did have a wonderful life. A significant life and a life that impacted so many others. So, that may be what some of you need to realize this morning. A lot of people have been beaten down over the past couple of years. Going through this pandemic, facing loss, facing job stuff, church stuff. I mean, you name it. Maybe what you need to hear this morning is just a simple reminder that your life matters. Guess what? You're essential to the kingdom. You matter. Your talents matter. Your testimony, your story, it all matters. And here's why. Because we we forget this too. You are influencing somebody else. Whether you see it, whether you realize it, there's a set of eyes, maybe a bunch of eyes on you, and you are influencing somebody. And with that responsibility, you had better be leading them towards Jesus Christ. So again, who's your one? Keep inviting. Keep sharing. Keep praying. And let's see what Jesus can do with just one. Stand with me and let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the privilege, first of all, to be here this morning. God, thank you for allowing me to preach your word. God, I thank you that Your kingdom is different. It's different from the way that we look at the world. It's different from the way that we tend to operate. Lord, in your kingdom, there's no big eyes. There's no little U's. There's no throwaway people. There's no insignificant people. Lord, we know that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. That in your infinite wisdom, you knit us together in our mother's womb and set our lives on a course before we even had the chance to to take a breath. And God, I pray that we wouldn't forget the impact that we can have through the little things, the day-to-day things. Lord, the the kindness, the sharing our our testimony, sharing our, our faith, our story. It's not insignificant. And God, I pray that you would help us to reach not multitudes, but just one. Because Lord, you only know what that one is going to do and who they're going to be. And God, if there's someone here this morning they've been struggling, looking for purpose in life, and they don't know you. There's, if they don't know you, they can't know purpose. God, today I pray that they come into relationship with Jesus. Lord, it's in His name that we pray. Amen. So we're saying this morning, there's a decision that you need to make. If you need to be saved, if you just want to come and pray, we'll pray with you. This altar is open. If you just want to come again and pray for your one, we invite you to do that. Why don't you come as we sing?
Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville, or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.